You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come to today's episode, as ever, I just want to ask you all to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. And if you didn't see yesterday via our Twitter, we got some news, a big announcement yesterday that we are going to start doing in the very near future, maybe as early as this weekend, we are going to start doing some live pre-game streams. We're first diving into our first attempt at diving into the live streams. Uh, we know you've got guys like Five Reasons Sports and Miami Heat Beat. They have got the ultimate match day experience for us fans. So they do their post games, their pre games, their halftime shows. All of that is absolutely brilliant. But if you're like me and you're on this side of the pond with the time difference, that can sometimes prove a bit tricky to watch, especially live. Um, so we're going to do a new feature called Game Day from the UK, and that is a half-hour pre-game show before each and every Heat game. So if you're from the UK, that'll be at about 8.30 GMT. And if you, even if you're over in the US and you want a matinee version before you go ahead and get all your content from the big boys, uh, come and join us as well. It's our first venture into it, so it should be good fun. So please subscribe to Miami Heat UK TV. On to today's episode, and I'm delighted to bring another member of the Five Reasons Network and host of the Clutch Corner. It's Adam Clutch. How you doing, man? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be on an international podcast. <laughs> Not at all. Actually, first of all, is it, is it Adam Clutch or is it Clutch Adam? Sorry, how do you prefer? It, it's Clutch Adam, but you know, who cares at this point? <laughs> no, I really appreciate you joining me. And um, yeah, great show. I love the Clutch Corner. Uh, I love everything Five Reasons do, as everyone knows. So uh, great to have you on board. Um, you join at, uh, I suppose, a good time because um, it's been a bit tough this season so far. Lots of disruptions, lots of injuries, lots of COVID-related stuff, and obviously not a great showing on the court at the moment. But last three games, a winning streak. Three-game win streak against um, the Pistons, then the Knicks twice. So, um, yeah, we're off and running a little bit. Um, and it sort of coincides, really, with uh, a return of our max player, our all-star Jimmy Butler. Some fantastic um, some fantastic performances we've seen from Jimmy. Blowing up the stat line, almost hitting a triple-double averaging over the last five games. Um, what have you made, first of all, before we go any further, what have you made of Jimmy's return? It's uh, to, to sort of jump off of his sickbed and come straight into looking uh, as good as he does. It's been pretty good for the Heat, right? No, it's, it's been amazing. Jimmy's been brilliant for this team. It's just I worry about him and I worry about how he's going to look at the end of the year. Mm. Uh, he's got a lot of fibs minutes on him from the Chicago Bulls era and the Minnesota era. So I don't, I don't really agree with how much he's pushing himself just to beat the Knicks and the Wizards. This is very true. And you, you took the words right out of my mouth because that was the Knicks that I was going to come to. It's a bit, it is a bit worrying because he's looking like, you know, he's got to leave every drop out there just to beat. And again, like last night again, and no disrespect to the Knicks because they are better. There's no doubt they're better. They're a fun team. They're a strong team. They got a lot of length. They're not the best matchup really for the Heat, but it took really everything we gave to, to, to get, um, to get past him in those two games. And Jimmy Butler's last five, 21 points per game, 
8.4 rebounds, eight assists, nearly three steals. Um, yeah, that suggests that someone who's working a bit too hard in the regular season right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing like Finals Jimmy, and that's what concerns me because if he's playing like Finals Jimmy now, we might not get Finals Jimmy in June, July. Yeah, absolutely. This is it. So, um, yeah, what did you think of those two games, especially last night's game? Because uh, there was a bit of negativity around. Um, a lot of people sort of saying, look, that was a garbage performance. Um, you know, it took everything we did, uh, we needed just to get through that. But other people were saying, look, a win's a win. Um, it, it, in a way, it suggests it's a good thing that we've played badly and still beat the Knicks. This is a Knicks team who are above us in the standings still. Um, as I've already sort of leaned, leaned into there, it's uh, they're not the best matchup for us. Randall. Robinson, etc. They're way bigger than us. So um, for me, yeah, it wasn't a pretty watch. It was a battle, but we took two wins. So we've got to be pleased, yeah? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fine with the wins. It's just the way that they won and the way they went about it is not what I agree with. You know, we, we saw that Bam and, and Jimmy were the only ones that scored until the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter. That, to me, is worrisome. Uh, it's not it's not ugly, uh, or it was an ugly win in the sense that you needed Kelly Olynyk to have 20 points and Kendrick Nunn to be on fire in the first half just to get these wins. And for a team that has aspirations to make the finals or the Eastern Conference finals, that just doesn't cut it. So I, I get it. And there is a lot of negativity around it, but a win streak is still a win streak. You're, you have three games under your belt as winners and you have to go into these next stretch of games with that mindset. Yeah, that's right. So um, just sort of shifting over a little bit to Bam last night. Now, Bam's been great. We know that the big leap this season has been the improvement, the incredible improvement, improvement of his uh, mid-range uh, game. That's been exceptional. That was off a little bit last night. But one key feature that stuck out for me last night with Bam, 16 free-throw attempts, 13 from 16 on the line. Um, so before we start talking about the next leap, which a lot of people are saying sort of three-point shooting, etc., Maybe this is the way forward, isn't it? If, if he's going to start getting big scores, he's never been a big scorer. This is obviously his record. Uh, he's hitting season highs at the moment, as we expected him to do so. But uh, maybe this is the way, showing some aggression, getting to the basket, driving, and uh, and getting drawing contact against the line. And that, that's going to help him, you know, get those big scores. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought that Bam had a really bad game. And, and while the optics didn't look great for him he ended up with 19 points and and I oftentimes found myself wondering how he got up to 19 points throughout the game and uh look he got 16 points from the free throw line that's not something that a center normally does mm. and that's something that you have to look at and say wow this guy has really come a long way and he still will continue to improve upon his stats on a nightly basis so look when a shot isn't falling for a superstar. They usually resort to other means to get their points. And that typically means they get it at the free throw line. Mm -hmm. And we see that Bam is taking that step where he's getting to the free throw line and getting his way, getting those points uh, just to keep his averages high. So Bam is, is on his way to a superstar status just, you know, from what I saw yesterday. And uh, one bad game or two bad games don't really change anything for me. I, I enjoyed what he did yesterday because his shot clearly wasn't falling. Yeah, it's a good point with Bam because, um, yeah, I think that, you know, that, that aggression is maybe the, still the one thing that a lot of people are saying, look, you know, you've got all the heat uh, bench records in the gym. You know, you're clearly, you know, our strongest player. You, you, you just need, you need to show it. You need to get, you know, 
drive that contact, get those points, and then that, that's going to help you get, get, bring your game along. So uh, what, what do you make at the moment? Because if, if you take away the mid-range, which has clearly been the, the one phenomenal um, leap he's made this season, just absolutely incredible um, what we've been seeing from Bam shooting mid-range. Uh, take that away for the moment. What, what do you sort of grade uh, Bam Adebayo so far this season? Because I think he's been very good. I think he's, you know, this is a strange season. We've had a lot of ins and outs in the uh, in the rotation. Bam hasn't really been affected by that. He's been there throughout. Um, so he has carried this team a bit, but there's still some question marks over him. So where, where do you put Bam? If you were to give him a grade right now, what would you put? Are, are you asking if uh, a defender were to take away his, uh, his, his mid-range jumper or just in general? If, without the mid-range jumper, well, what no, would just, I grade him? Just, just in general. I would give him a solid A. I mean, yeah, I, I would. you know, he's doing everything aside from being aggressive in the right moments, I, I think. And once he becomes assertive and dominant in the possessions that he needs to be, it's an A plus, right? He doesn't even need the three point jumper to be an efficient and successful player. We saw that him and Jimmy went to the finals last year based off of him without even having a jumper. So the fact that he's adding that jumper now you know, just tells me the sky is the limit for him and he doesn't need the three-point jumper. It is just the aggression from him on a nightly basis is what we require. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that it's uh, it's been a successful season so far and it, it, people have got to remember there was such a short break. You know, everyone handles things differently. The, the, we, we've had more starting lineups than any other team in the NBA. He's been a part of, uh, sort of a consistent part of that. Um, so I think that, you know, for what we've seen so far, for me, it's nothing but positive. But a lot of people need to stop dissecting every single element. They want the perfect game every time. And sport, basketball, sport in general just isn't like that. So uh, I think Bam's been great so far. Somebody who has raised a lot of questions and now is starting to come into some criticism, however, is Duncan Robinson. Is he in a slump at the moment or is it more than this? Um, you know, Duncan recently, it's been a while since he's had a big game. Um, we know what his, obviously his, his pros are. We know what his weaknesses are. When he's not hitting those threes, um, he doesn't really offer much, much else. So last night as well, you know, we were relying on Duncan at, at the end to try and make stops. You know, this is, I, I don't really know what we do with Duncan here. What, before we go into it much further, what, what do you think of, uh, of this recent dipping form or, or is it a, a deeper issue at the moment with Duncan Robinson? I think it's, it's a deeper issue and a slump. Uh, so it's two things at once. He's not the game breaker of a, of a player that he was last year where uh, you had to double team him or you had to make sure that a player is on him at all times. It seems like this year he's come back to earth a little bit. And, you know, there's some times where he has an open 380 just misses, right? He looks human. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just something that this Heat team can't afford. Last year, he was almost playing to perfection. He was playing at a Hall of Fame trajectory right in terms of three-point shooting and this year while he's still playing phenomenally and he's shooting I think 39 percent from three mm. it, it, it's it's a problem it's the difference between wins and losses for this team and the fact that he's in a little bit of a slump only intensifies the idea that this heat team needs him to be an a-plus shooter at all times in order to be successful and then the other thing is that these teams are keying in on Duncan with their best perimeter defender yeah. and it's a lot harder to you know create offense and create the sets that you usually flow through Duncan on a regular basis when he's being keyed in in such a way and then a problem another problem with this is that Spo isn't being creative 
right? Mm -hmm. These teams know exactly what you're doing with Duncan with the handoffs and the fake handoffs uh, and the dribble handoffs, all of that stuff. So Spo needs to get creative and figure out a way to get Duncan open because otherwise there's no point in having him on the floor. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, obviously, obviously it's always going to be that little bit trickier the second well, season. Not a little bit, it's going to be a lot trickier the second season because the first season is almost like a, a gimme because no one really knew about him much. They learned as the season went on. Um, he wasn't going to get that free ride this year, no no, no doubt about that. So um, it's uh, it's a tricky one for Duncan and the uh, debate rumbles on. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Um, obviously, he's up at the end of the season. Um, do we pay him? Uh, the sort of money that we're looking at, 18-odd million, maybe 20 million, that Joe Harris sort of mark that a lot of people are sort of pitching him in. Uh, are we going to do this? Or do we think that we could be looking at using that money on somebody who's more of a, a team-friendly player rather than a specialist? You see, the thing about the Heat is they're a very prideful organization. And when they, when you see that they don't offer Duncan Robinson in a potential James Harden deal or, or a player of that magnitude... Uh, you know that they have plans to keep that player. You saw it with Tyler Johnson. You saw it with Dion, JJ, Hassan, all those guys. When he finds a player, they intend to keep him and keep him at home. Uh, and sometimes that's a real blind spot with his front office. So I think they will pay him the $18 million, but I don't think it'll cost $18 million. I think Duncan will take a little bit of a hometown discount or not a hometown discount, but a, yeah. a creator's discount because we created him. Uh, I think he'll end up at around sixteen million. But I, at the same time, I wouldn't do it, right? I don't think he's worth sixteen million. If I were the Heat, I'd, I'd say you're taking fourteen million, or you can enjoy Sacramento. You know, <laughs> um, but I, I just think the Heat are better served uh, shipping him off for two first round picks right now and, and gear up to be able to make a trade offer for a superstar because I don't think Duncan Robinson is a type of player that you can have as your third best player on the team. I think you need to have him as a luxury piece, as the fifth best player on the team, very similarly to what the Nets did with Joe Harris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is um, this was the debate we was having last week is the fact that they're saying, well, okay, exactly what you just said there. If it, You can't win a championship if Duncan Robinson is your third best player. And if you're saying, well, no, more of a luxury, he'd be more like your fourth or fifth best player. Then you don't, then you, you can't afford then to start paying the 18 million to your fourth or fifth best player. So it is a tricky one. Um, you sort of, uh, I was about to lead on to the next question, but you sort of answered it there. Um, so if we didn't resign, which I mean, I, I agree with you, by the way, I think the Heat are going to look after him. I think he will resign, but whether that's the right or the wrong thing, if he doesn't, um, then you think that a couple of first round picks is, is the way forward because we we're only, we were only talking a few weeks back, maybe a couple of months back, that we wasn't letting him go for a potential James Harden trade. Now it's a couple of rain, a couple of first round picks. Is uh, do do you see that that would be the way forward if it was going to go down that way, or do we think that there could be a target for somebody in play, i.e., a Lowry or a Tucker, etc., so Oladipo? Um, which way do you think if it's going to go down that route? Which way would the Heat look at? Well, I think the way you got to look at the market is what teams would want a guy like Duncan Robinson and the only ones that I can think of are the contenders that are out west because you know the Heat wouldn't trade him somewhere in the east to Boston, Brooklyn, one of those teams. You know that's never going to happen but if you trade him out west what kind of package could you get in return? Now I think that this is very unlikely and I don't even think 
that they would trade him for two firsts because if you think about it, the only two options that the Heat have are you have to re-sign him this summer or you have to trade him. Yeah. You cannot afford to let him walk for nothing. Exactly. Right? We've seen it time and time again where the Heat front office let guys go after not re-signing them and they could have traded them for assets when they had value and, and they get nothing in return. Right. So the Heat have to either sign him or trade him. And if they do trade him, I don't think it's worth trading him for a guy like Lowry or a guy like Victor Oladipo. I think Victor Oladipo, especially, I think uh, you, you should be able to sign him for free this summer without having to give up any assets. Mm-hmm. Lowry, on the other hand, I think if they're trading Lowry, they're going in a younger direction. And, and Duncan is not a piece that's, I think he's almost 27. He's not a piece that's a rebuilding type, right? I think that they would be better served with Precious if you were to trade for Kyle. So as of right now, the only way I see Duncan getting traded is for a young piece or for picks. Uh, And I know that that idea would turn off a lot of fans, the idea of trading Duncan for picks, but you have to look at the long-term goal here. You're not trading Duncan for picks because you're rebuilding. You're trading Duncan for picks to be able to get a superstar in the future, right? Right now, they don't have that package available, but if you were to get some picks and generate some assets out of Duncan, you have the ability to go after a Bradley Beal or to go after, I don't know, Paul George or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, it's a good angle, something. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way, so that's an interesting way of looking at it. So before we leave Duncan, your Pat Riley, um, you would do that. Yes, that's you. You would not re-sign him for around that 18 million mark. Um, you would go for looking, as you just said, we can't let him walk. So you would look at maybe trying to get some assets for him. Well, I, I would try to get two first round picks for him. If I don't get that, then I'm not trading him and I'm signing him. If, uh, okay. I, I'm not trading for one first. I'm trading him for two. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so let's just quickly touch on a couple of players that we've been rumored to, uh, to, to trade for or to, you know, be in negotiations with. First, most latest one over the last 24 hours or so is uh, Toronto's Carl Lowry. Um, Bleach Report, I think, um, put this out to say that um, Toronto could be open to trading him. Um, I sort of not really sure on this one because I personally love the fit of Kyle in uh, Miami. I think that he is perfect for us, a position we need, um, you know, to look at. I, I love his skill set. I know he's a lot, he's a Marmite sort of player with some of his antics, flopping, etc. But just in terms of what he gives, high skill set, as I said, good, he can assist, he can score. Um, for me, I think that works well, gets on very well with Jimmy Butler. You, you can sort of see that heat culture sort of stamps on him. For me, I think that works. Um, but I don't really see what Toronto would get out of doing this because Miami haven't really got anything that they can send their way. Um, so do, do you see this as a, a as a non-starter at all from Miami's point of view? And also, how do you like the fit? Do you, are you with me? Do you think this works well? Or do you think we should be looking at other directions? I think it's a perfect fit, and it all depends on the price. Kyle Lowry, it's been rumored for years that he's almost been to my, he's almost gone to Miami, I think, three different occasions. And mm. it, it would be a perfect fit. He's friends with Goron. He even played with Goron for a little bit in Houston. Mm. He's friends with Jimmy. He knows the structure. He knows the system. He, he, he would buy in immediately. I think it's a perfect fit. Now, in terms of a cost, Kyle Lowry is one of those really, really weird exceptions to the rule about what you trade a player for. And the reason being because he has been loyal to the Raptors franchise. Uh, he won a ring with them. 
and he has the ability to really dictate where he wants to go as an expiring deal. Um, so if Kyle Lowry went to the Raptors front office with Masai Ujiri, who's also an impending free agent, and he says, I need to be traded to Miami, I think the Heat could offer the bare minimum, get a deal done. You know, the bare minimum being Casey Akpala and filler or Precious and filler. I don't think, I saw on a podcast yesterday that somebody said that the Raptors would want Tyler Hero and the Heat might do it. That's that's not a starter, mm. right? I don't think Tyler Hero or Duncan should be on the table for a guy like Kyle Lowry, right? You don't trade real assets for a 35-year-old who yeah. doesn't fit your timeline in the long run. So I think Kyle Lowry definitely is a viable option. And I think that the deadline to really start considering this is March 4th because there's going to be a two-week period where the Raptors and Kyle Lowry are going to have to have a discussion on where this is going, where the future is, do they see a fit long-term for them, and where he'd want to get traded, right? And I think that the Heat would make perfect sense. I think the Sixers would make great sense and the Clippers, right? But I think that in the end, if you were to get traded, it's going to be Philly or Miami. So it's a perfect fit. I love it. And I think it has real legs. Okay. Interesting. And um, before we leave Carl, love a big thing is obviously he's on big money at the moment, 30 something million. Um, does he command that again? I know it'd obviously be a short term, but, or would he be looking at, obviously he'd be joining the contending team if it's going to be Philly or, uh, or Miami. Does he take a more team friendly deal? What do you think that sort of cost would be in terms of salary? I think, um, for a team like the Heat, it would have to be a cheaper deal, a one-year deal for $15 million, I would say. And mm-hmm. I think that would be a steal for the Heat. Yeah, uh, he, He's at the point of his career where he knows that he needs to take very little for him to be successful. And he understands that, so. Okay, right. Um, a couple of other names that just sort of don't really go away. Um, you've already mentioned one, but you'd think maybe it'd be something that uh, we would maybe look at towards the end of the season when you can not give up anything for him. But do you think that Victor Oladipo finishes the season in Houston? No, I actually think he finishes the season with the Knicks. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, it's a surprise team. Uh, Not a lot of people think about it, but I think he makes a lot of sense for that team. Uh, Thibs is a very defensive-oriented coach, and his lineups are always defensive-oriented. And Victor Oladipo is perfect for that. And the thing is with the Knicks team that we saw just yesterday and a few nights back is they don't have a real offensive closer mm-hmm. and they don't have uh, a number one option on that team. And they, Victor Oladipo would fit perfectly with them. And I know for a fact that they're very interested in Victor Oladipo. So I think it makes sense for both parties because at the same time, the Knicks would offer him a max deal at the end of the year when, uh, you know, it all, it's all said and done. So I, I think that he are better served to not look into Victor Oladipo because you don't want to be married to the fact that you have to pay him a lot of money at the end of the season because you gave up assets for him. I would only look at Victor Oladipo after this season when the other options have gone and, and went. You know, other options meaning Bradley Beal or, or Zach Levine. That's the only time I'd actually look at Victor Oladipo as a viable option. He's plan C or D. He's not ever a plan A for this Heat team. 
Yep, I, I, I completely agree. Um, a Houston teammate of his, um, PJ Tucker, is another name. Um, now, there's a bit of debate really going forward about what the Heat actually really need right now. There's sort of two options of whether they think we need a sort of more defence-minded or, you know, point of attack guard, you know, especially with looking at people like Tyler Harrow, who tried to open the season at point. Experiment didn't really work. We've seen now that the, the results and his performances have got much better since he's moved back into a more familiar role off of uh, coming on as sixth man. He's been exceptional since then. Um, Dragic has obviously been in and out. Uh, injury hasn't looked great either when he has been in. Um, so a lot of people say we need a we, we need a one. Other people are saying we've got so many fours in this team, but none of them are actually that great. Um, Kelly's sort of holding that down at the moment. So PJ Tucker would maybe work in that sense as a, as a four for Miami. Um, first of all, do you think PJ would would be uh, something that would be attractive and could be got now? And uh, B, what do you actually think we need better? Do you, do you think the need is more for a one or a four? So I, I actually love this debate because uh, I actually think that they need a four more so than a one because a lot of people really forget that in the playoffs, Jimmy Butler and Goran are the ones handling the ball. Yeah. Right? You don't need anybody else. And, and the turnovers go down significantly in the playoffs because you only have those two handling the ball, right? So in the regular season, I think you definitely need a one more so than a four. But when it comes down to it in the important moments of the game, Jimmy's handling the ball. So yeah. that's not a concern for me. So I think you definitely need a four. And, and to answer your question about P.J. Tucker, he's a culture fit, but I do not see the real need to give up assets for this guy. I I, I saw mm -hmm. Ethan. I was actually making fun of Ethan the other day because he said he would give up a first round pick for PJ Tucker. And I found that absolutely blasphemous because yes. right. PJ Tucker has gone like seven games straight now without a single point. And <laughs> that's something to me that is just, it, it's foolishness really because PJ Tucker is known to be this three and D kind of player. And the fact that he hasn't, and I think he shot like 17% from three over the last like 12 games or something like that. Yeah. So I've always thought in the beginning of the year, even last year, he looked really slow against Anthony Davis and the Lakers. And mm -hmm. I, at the same time, I understand it's Anthony Davis. Yeah. But who do you expect him to guard when he's on the heat? He's going to be going up against Kevin Durant. So I don't really like the fit um, in terms of, his his future ability to guard players and to play on offense because I don't I don't think he'll be viable as an option offensively. He'll be one of those guys that's one dimensional. You can either play him on offense or on defense, very much so like Iguodala, right? Yeah. And I I just don't see that as a need for this Heat team. Uh, if I'm trading for a four, I'm trading for a, a bona fide three point sniper or a young piece that grows with Bam. Otherwise, I'm not giving up three for three second round picks or anything like that for PJ Tucker. I think the most I would do is two second rounders, and I don't even think the Heat have that. So, mm, yeah, no, I, again, I agree with you. So, um, I'm going to ask you two quick fire questions now, and then I want to get your predictions for uh, the West Coast trip before I let you go. So, very quickly, um, you've got your ear to the ground, you've got your sources. Um, give us a wild card. This is going to be your opinion, but a wild card name that we could maybe look out for as a trade potential uh, trade um, target. A wild card name. Yeah, just somebody that doesn't even have to be anything you've heard, anything, just something you think, you know what, 
this this would work. I like that. For example, we had um, I think Sedano was on five uh, five on the floor the other day. He said uh, Thaddeus Young, that's gettable. Go get him. That's a good fit. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's that's something I'd consider. Anything that you've any thoughts you've got there? I know I've thrown you completely on the spot here. So uh, yeah, no, I I can give you a name that I've heard. Uh, I've said it on my stream a, a few days ago, but Mike Muscala, I think, mm-hmm. just to replace Myers Leonard, I think he would be a good fit. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand he's just another white guy that you know can shoot sometimes, but he's been he's been really good for the Thunder this year, and he's not really making any money. So I think he'd be a good option. He's shooting thirty nine percent from three on on five or six attempts, and he's yeah. actually he, he can move his feet, so that's a big difference. Yes, but uh, right in terms of another player, um, I don't know. Uh, there's just the usual suspects that I like to throw out, like uh, John Collins and, and Zach Levine. Those are my favorite targets. Yeah, absolutely. But but for anyone else, it, it, it's tough to pinpoint because there's no team at this juncture that would be a seller, mm. right? Usually uh, a February near the trade deadline, you have a lot of teams that start selling off players and you could tell which teams are not going to be in the playoff race. Mm. But with this season, with how close all the standings are, Every team feels like they have a shot, yep. which is to the detriment of this Heat team because now with everybody in the playoff picture, these teams aren't going to want to sell for cheap. Yep. And that's what the Heat thrive on. They thrive on getting players on the cheap and then you know, having them come into the system and playing better than they were before. So it, it, it sucks for the Heat that they aren't able to do that, but uh, we'll see soon which teams really are lagging behind after this west coast trip and who knows it could even be the heat so mm, yeah yeah no you're completely right as well with that because you know everyone apart from the timberwolves the pistons and um obviously the wizards i think you could make a case for everybody especially with this playoff um play in sorry that uh, that they're doing now as well a bit like we saw last year with the bubble uh gives everybody a shot still so uh, yeah you're right but nobody wants to push that button just yet because uh, this, they don't really know where their season's going final question um where i can't let this podcast go without asking you um, where does Bradley Bill finish this season? Does he finish as a wizard? Yes, he does. Um, okay. I, I'm starting to get to the point where I think he's a bit delusional. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with his idea and the mindset where he wants to stay with the team that drafted him. Um, but at some point, he's got to realize that he's not the generational player that he thinks he is. Mm. And every player in the league, you know, they, they realize that at some point that they're not the player that they think they are. And that's when they decide to make a change in, in their idea and their ability to play, right? John Wall, at this moment, at this juncture, he thinks that the Wizards gave up on him, yeah. not that he uh, failed the Wizards, right? So for a player like John Wall to be as prideful as he is and to believe that he didn't fail the Wizards and that they failed him, what do you think Bradley Beal is going to think, right? He's not going to want to be seen as the failure of the Washington Wizards. So I understand the idea behind him staying. I just don't think he's at the point yet where he sees himself as a failure. And he, and even if he does leave eventually, you know, he's not going to be happy, mm. right? Because he failed the Wizards. And that's just something that, is a very toxic ideology. And I think that no team should want to keep tabs on Bradley Beal until he changes his idea and the way that he thinks. 
I think everybody's sort of had a little bit enough of it now because it's every defeat, it's the same thing. I'm going to call this out. I'm going to, you know, strop and sulk. And I think that, you know, everybody sort of said, well, you signed up for this, Brad. And I think also there might be a little bit here where he's maybe being a little bit clever psychologically because he might be thinking, well, if I show that I care, if I got down the dumps, if I show how much I tell everybody how much I want to win with the Wizards and then they inevitably don't because they won't win, um, then they can, he can go with maybe his conscience sort of saying, well, you know, I did moan all season about it. I did want, I was willing you to be better every every game and it didn't happen. So I think he's almost preempting it a little bit. I think it's a little bit of a um, sort of um, pantomime going on there at the moment. But we'll see. Obviously, um, I, I agree. I don't think, I think you'll see out this season at the very least. But uh, there we go. Right, so let's uh, just move on before I let you go. Um, again, really appreciate the time. We've now got the toughest Toughest schedule, especially for us over here. Wow, some uh, some real brutal tip-off times uh, coming up our way over in the UK. But here we go. Uh, a road trip of uh, Houston Rockets, Utah, LA Clippers, uh, Warriors, Kings, Lakers and Thunder. That's our seven-game road trip. What record would you take, Adam, going through that? I would take four and three. Uh, three and four would be a bit uh, upsetting, understanding that they're now at the urgent part of the season. I'm just yep. looking at the schedule now. Four and three I, I would take because I expect them to beat the Rockets, the Warriors, the Kings, and the Thunder. But knowing this Heat team, they're going to drop one of those. So you know you have to win at one of Lakers, Clippers, or Jazz. Yep. So it's it, it, it's tough. But I, yep. I think four and three is what you need to be uh, to get out of this stretch. And even after going four and three, you're going to be, I believe, three games under 500 while the other teams have easy schedules and they'll start racking up wins. So it's still concerning, even if you go four and three. Yeah. And I think all of those teams have got a pretty good defensive rating. I think they're all quite highly defensive rating um, in the rankings there. So I think that I agree with you. I think four and three, I would take right now personally, it's never going to be that straightforward with the heat. I think we'll come back there uh, from that stretch three and four, which I don't think is disastrous, but I think, yeah, really, it all comes down really to that first game against Houston. I think if we set the tone there, get up a nice, confident win, I think that'll boost us a bit. And then I think, yeah, the four and three will be the minimum we'll look for. But if that ends up in an L, um, yeah, could get brutal pretty quick. Um, we'll see. Uh, fun times anyway. Good to see the heat back on winning terms anyway. Um, Adam, really appreciate you joining me. Um, where can everybody find you, buddy? So you can find me on Twitter at ClutchNBA Adam or Clutch Adam NBA. I don't know what it is at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and on the clutch corner every Tuesday night at eight, except for tonight. I don't know when this is releasing, but tonight, uh, Wednesday, uh, Eastern, obviously tonight at what is today? That's the 10th, right? Is it still the 10th, the 10th for you? It's the 10th for us. Yes. We're behind you. Oh, yes, we're behind uh, you. So this, okay. this will be, this will be coming out tonight. So yeah, you can say tonight people will be able to listen to this podcast in about an hour's time. So please plug away your show. Okay, awesome. So yeah, tonight, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, we have the Clutch Corner. Usually it's on Tuesday nights. So uh, stay tuned for that. We have uh, a cast of characters from Alana Tahauer, Royal A. Shepard, Michael Christian. It's a, it's a fun time. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it is a great show, as is everything that Five Reasons do. Brilliant um, content, as always. Adam, uh, enjoy your show, and um, thanks for uh, talking to me. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime. And um yeah, let's hope that uh, Western trip, I've got, I might have stinging eyeballs going through that. So some 3 a.m.s and 2 a.m.s there, but it'll be all worth it if we can pick up some wins. So uh, again, thanks very much for, uh, for coming on, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's do it again soon.
Cool, absolutely. Right, we'll see you again soon, guys. We'll have um, uh, our usual UK residency coming up at the weekend. So until then, stay safe, take care. Let's go heat. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.